0: I feel the need, the need for
1: speed.
2: Ow! Hi there, and welcome to Baseball by Design. I am SportsLogos.net minor league baseball correspondent Paul Caputo, broadcasting live, as always, from the Sunday Helmet Hall of Fame in my basement in Fort Collins, Colorado. This week, we're going to be talking about the Las Vegas Aviators, the AAA Las Vegas Aviators. Later on in this episode, I'll be speaking with James Christopher, who you know is the host of Let's Get to the Show, but also he is a noted film student and critic and teacher and producer. And I will also be speaking with F-16 pilot Vic DiTomaso. And of course, Dan Simon of Studio Simon will be back with another of his Studio Simon Stumpers. Right now, I'm so happy to be joined by Jim Gemma, who is the Aviator's Media Relations Director. Jim, nice to see you again after like, it's been like a decade since you and I first met, so it's, uh, it's very nice to see you yes. again.
3: Yeah, we have gone from Cash and Field to the Las Vegas Ballpark, so uh, things have gone, uh, it, it's definitely a 180 from uh, the Cash and Field to uh, where, where we are now, Paul, uh, the Las Vegas Ballpark. It's, uh, it's an incredible venue. Of course, we've changed logos. We Obviously rebranded in 2019 when we went up to Summerlin because uh, we were getting a new affiliate too at the A's. So because uh, AAA Syracuse uh, was purchased by uh, you know the Wilpons at the time, and it makes geographic sense that uh, the Mets obviously would go back to Syracuse. But we had a, a great run with them. So we had so many great players.
2: Yeah, well that when I was uh, when I went and saw the, them play as the when I, or when I went and saw you all play as the as the 51s, they they were a Mets affiliate. I think I might have seen them when they were a Dodgers affiliate, too. So I think I saw them a couple of times. I've been to the new ballpark twice. It is gorgeous. It is an absolute pleasure to to watch a game there. Uh, I got a massive ice cream thing with churros in it. And uh, yeah.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> that was that was a great baseball experience. And then to have the, you know, obviously there's the Red Rock Casino is right there. And so that's, uh, you know, that was, you know, I'm sure I'm sure the teams stay there, right? when they come to visit but yeah what a what a place to to see a ball game and you know in this new brand that came with the you know with the new ownership with the howard hughes corporation i'll just i'll just ask you to say it in your words what's you know what is how come a team in in uh, las vegas nevada is called the aviators
3: well it really does fit because i'm born and raised here we have Air force base here uh we have you know one of the really the greatest airports in the country. We have the best team travel. I mean, we have 99.9% of our trips are nonstop, uh, you know, with the hub we have here Southwest, but a lot of it is the uh, Nellis Air Force Base. You know, Nellis Air Force Base is, is, is really the home to uh, pilot uh, training and big time pilot training with the F-1s. And, uh, you know, obviously the aviators uh, pays homage to Howard Hughes, um, you know, the Spruce Goose, uh, he had the uh, land speed of 352 miles per hour in 1935 uh, with the H1 racer. So, I mean, he had a great background in uh, aviation. And it's really a cool name to go along with the new color scheme we have. So it kind of just fell into place. Uh, it kind of obviously going up to Summerlin w- with the new ballpark, we totally rebranded. It seemed like every 18 years we change our logo. It <laughs> uh, was potentially done that way, 1983 to 2000. We're with the Padres. Uh, we're the Las Vegas Stars. 2001, we went to the 51s, which is uh, a lot of movies have been on it now. Uh, Area 51. Sure. You know, you know, about the alien, you know, aliens are housed there and all that good stuff. But 2001 uh, to 2018, we were with the Fifty One. So 18 years with that. 18 years with the Stars. So that's 36 years. And obviously with the pandemic, uh, this is our 40th anniversary season, the fourth year with the A's, thus our fourth year with uh, the Las Vegas Aviators. But it all ties in with uh, the aviation history with uh, Nellis Air Force Base, with Red Flag, and, uh, you know, our airports, the one of the 10 busiest airports in the world. And to go along, with what we just mentioned about Howard Hughes with the Spruce Goose and the uh, H1 racer, um, you know, he was really into uh, aviation.
2: For sure. I know that you've been with the team for quite some time. Were you with them when they were the stars?
3: Yeah, um, it's kind of my past life now is sports information and also the sports information director at UNLV, uh, two different stints. I was an assistant and an SID. So when I was doing that in the 80s, I'm I'm old, in the 80s and the 90s and the tip of 2000, I off and on almost every year, not quite. I was official scorer. So it was a seasonal gig. Uh, you know I was at the very first game in 1983 and uh, never forget it it's it's ironic it's the 40th anniversary season we're wearing throwback uniforms on some nights of the 1983 team there's only one year in 1983 they wore the Stars jerseys star in the front but yeah I've been involved with it Uh, it was with the Stars I was uh, hired full-time by our president CEO Don Logan in January of 2003 so Counting the pandemic season, this is my uh, 20th season, uh, actually 21st season. So, yeah, I've kind of been around for all of it. Um, just watch all the logos. I really, really like the star's name. Uh, the 51's really had its niche for a while. It was the number one seller. The kids loved the alien head. But I really do like the aviator's look. Um, you know, it the logo... Uh, we've heard people say, "Oh, it's a it's a bug man and all this stuff." It's it's a futuristic aviator pilot. I mean, basically, what it is. We've gone to the LV hat a lot, yeah. But it, it ties in with the logo where you know where it says AV on the V. It's the aviator head. So I mean, we have a different a lot of different looks. We have a great team store with a lot of different looks to the logo and schemes. All in all, I think it's great. I have
2: dropped some money in that team store. I've got a bright yellow T-shirt. I've got like I have. I have one 51's hat with the alien head on it, like the kids like, like you say. I've got three different aviators' hats. And I have one of the, I'm blanking on the Spanish. I'm sorry. You're, you're, uh, you're yeah,
3: Reyes de Plata.
2: Reyes de Plata. Thanks. Yeah. So I have that hat as well, which is, which is a great hat. That's a cool
3: when logo, I, too. That's the Silver Knights. Uh, I should say the, uh, Silver, uh, Silver Kings, I should say. It's, uh, it's really cool.
2: Yeah, it's it's very cool. I remember when we talked uh, about the 51s you were telling me that uh, you, you know your preference as a sort of a traditional baseball guy was for the more traditional baseball looks. You liked the uh, the LV cap then for the media relations guide for the players to have that. This Aviators brand is obviously a little bit more classical, a little more traditional. That obviously was an intentional decision by the organization to go a little more classic, a little more sort of sophisticated looking with this new look with the new ballpark. How has that been received by the by the fans?
3: It's been amazing. I mean, obviously the first year before, I mean, we we do need to mention about the pandemic because this industry got destroyed, as you know. We didn't even get yeah. to play, yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially yeah. in Las Vegas, the sports and entertainment. I know friends that are in the entertainment business and. They couldn't get on stage i was like you know you look back three years ago things were so much better but counting before that 2019 we uh set a record 650,934 we led all minor leagues and then uh you know back in 2021 oh you know half uh, a little bit more than a month we we're only 50 capacity we had uh, i believe 428,000 then we got back finally full capacity uh, we had 518,000, uh, know, and we've drawn 300,000 plus all 36 seasons at Cashman Field. But obviously, being obviously, you've seen the ballpark; uh, it's up to a, a next level now. Uh, so we've led the PCL, Triple A West, the first year in attendance, and we're going to be uh, nip and tuck this year with Albuquerque and El Paso. It's going to be a good three team race, but that's that's good for the league. So right now, we're leading the league in attendance too. But it's you've been in there. The lower bowl is a major league stadium, and mm-hmm. having Downtown Summerlin, right there. The locations, everything we have, we're the only team in Southern Nevada, which is really great. But as you said, the Red Rock Casino, the visiting teams stay there. Red Rock's a great stations. Casino is a great partner of ours, so it, it's all falling into place. But everybody always says location, location. We have the a great location. Well, and AAA baseball acknowledged
2: the 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 park. I think you know in a really great way for you all by hosting the AAA championship. Uh, I guess it was a tournament last year. It's is it going gonna, gonna to be back in Las Vegas this year, but it's going to be a single game rather than a, a tournament. Is that right?
3: Yeah, they're going to go to two halves. Uh, the first half will play the second half. With the first half winner for both the IL and the PCL, uh, best three out of five. And then, yeah, both uh, the winner of the IL will play the winner of the PCL on Saturday, September 30th at the Las Vegas ballpark for the AAA National Championship game. So, uh, I mean, that's really the best place to have it.
2: What was that environment like last year when uh, when you hosted the, the AAA championship?
3: It was really great having Nashville there because they used to be in the PCL and uh, the Durham Bulls actually won the whole thing. Uh, they defeated Reno, but a lot of people from Reno came down. It was really a good atmosphere. Uh, we had 5,000 plus for a couple of the games and it was loud and it was really... Uh, the championship game was probably the best game played uh, of all the AAA Uh when Durham played Reno, that was probably the best game we had in the ballpark all year. It was really an exciting game, and uh, no, it's always good to showcase things like that. The game is on the uh, MLB Network, so I assume we'll be back on there uh, this year. We haven't heard anything further, but I would think uh, that wouldn't be a surprise if it was back on there.
2: Uh, well, I'm I'm hoping to get out there this year. We've got a handful of us who uh, who do podcasts about minor league baseball, and we're we're all trying to get out there. What are the tickets hard to come by? Is it a hard ticket to get?
3: No, I mean, uh, you know, it's going to be uh, a little bit better this year, uh, you know, with our season ticket base, uh, they'll have first crack to purchase tickets, but uh, for sure, uh, you know, we, we see 8,196, but, but if need be, like we've done the last couple home stands, we can get uh, 10,000 in there uh, for firework nights and we have the party deck and the pool and the berm and standing room and all that. So yeah, there there are definitely tickets available for that. But uh definitely as the summer gets going, I, I would, you know, if I was a fan, I would purchase that sooner than later. The the you
2: mentioned the all the sort of aspects and the amenities of that ballpark there. The last time I was there, we got there good and early and we just took a slow walk all the way around the ballpark. And it was uh yeah, it was really it is really, I mean, just such a, a high quality facility. It's so so such a great place to watch a baseball game. And it was sort of like a perfect summer night. Like it wasn't too, too hot. It was a pretty great baseball experience. I had, I did have a question about the the logos and this is maybe, I don't know if this is something that I've noticed or if anyone else has has pointed out, but the, if you look at the 51's alien head, and then you look at the aviators, uh, the face with the visor, and then you look at the Reyes de Plata, which is, you know, a, essentially a, a based on basically a skull they're all sort of like roughly the same proportions it's like face 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 is there something uh, going on there intentionally with that design or is that just by happenstance
1: i
3: think uh what Reyes to plata with all the Reyes to plata uh teams I, I know milb uh i don't know if it was brandios or whatever they designed all those logos um because obviously the Reyes to plata you know las vegas or nevada is the silver state and that's really a minor um, you you know, when they used to go in the mines for silver and all that good stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, Again, that's a futuristic aviator pilot, and it's so many different colors, because the Red Rock Canyon is supposed to be uh, shining off the visor of the futuristic air uh, pilot. So it kind of gets long and involved a little bit of it. Just looking at that, too, on there. Um, You know, the color inspiration, the Las Vegas sunset, the mountain range featured in the aviator's goggles resembles the mountain range found in the Summer logo. Which is Summerland logo is downtown Summerlin too. So it all kind of ties in.
2: Yeah. The Reyes de Plata where that was one of the first four in it wasn't even called the Copa de la Diversion back then. It was one of the first four Spanish language brands back in what was it two 2017, before even the, the aviators were in existence. You had the uh, the Reyes de Plata uh, logo, and that one has endured, you know, that's I know that new teams are introducing new Copa brands every year. But that one's that that is, you know, tied with the Mariachis and, uh, you know, maybe one or two others for, tied for the longest of these Copa brands. That obviously has been very successful for you all.
3: Yeah, no, it was uh, it was late July of 2017. It was us and AAA Charlotte. Uh, it was a team in the California League uh, there. I can't think of it. And one other team in A. So we kind of launched it. And then as you said, it's kind of picked up. Uh, we've done 17, 18, 19. Now this is our sixth year: 21, 22, 23. So now it's over. It's almost 100 teams now, or something. So it's, it's, uh, it's nice. Uh, it, it's different. So, uh, I mean, anything to uh, appeal to the fans. Uh, that that's kind of what minor league baseball is all about, is as you well know. Sure. Well, Jim, this has been so much
2: fun to catch up with you again. I guess every 10 years you and I can hang out for a minute yeah, and talk, right. about, yeah. <laughs> talk about this franchise. And then, you know, every 18 years, I'll check in with you and see what the new brand is going to be.
3: Yeah, that's true. It seems that it uh, was heading that way when we were doing it. And it kind of was just, it was a coincidence. But again, this is the, uh, it's actually the fifth year of the logo counting 2020, but this is the 40th anniversary season. Uh, all the, PCL uh, started April here of 1983 as the Las Vegas Stars. And a great trivia question. Bruce Bochi hit the first home run in Cashman Field history as a member of the Stars. So that's always a cool uh, trivia uh, answer to the question.
2: That is a good trivia question. Yes. Uh, well, Jim, thanks so much for taking the time out. Where can people find the Aviators on uh, online and on social media?
3: Yeah, the best thing is uh, Aviators LV on our website, AviatorsLV.com and at Aviators uh, on Instagram and uh, Twitter. And uh, I think we're even on TikTok, probably the same. Elsie uh, Jones, our manager of social media, does an incredible job. But uh, at AviatorsLV is uh, definitely for Twitter. Uh, Facebook's just Las Vegas Aviators. So, yeah, we're all over the place.
2: I'll have to I'll have to thank LC Jones sometime because the 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 Aviators Twitter account makes a big deal out of me and ice cream at these games because that's, uh, well, that's that's sort good. of my, yeah 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 <laughs> so LC has uh, has has retweeted some of my ice cream things out there so that's uh, good to know I <laughs> like to
3: hear that so
2: <laughs> well Jim thank you so much and uh, look forward to catching up with you I'll let you know if we're gonna make it out to the uh, to the All Star game sounds good Paul all right thanks Jim you're welcome. everyone welcome back what a thrill right now for me to welcome back to the show my friend james christopher who is not only the host of the web series let's get to the show but also the director of the austin revolution film festival and this is where these worlds are colliding right now james christopher thanks for for being here
4: i was i'm first of all thrilled you know that i'm a fan and i was tickled at the invite because i don't get to do this Very much where we get to actually talk about a film and and what it means and stuff like that outside of me lecturing and, and those kids, you know, roll their eyes and don't listen so this should be fun.
2: (laughs) Well, so what what you're hinting at here is the the worlds colliding are the worlds of minor league baseball which you and I love so much, but Mm -hmm. also your your academic and your and your professional background has a lot to do with the film industry. You are a filmmaker and, and like I said, the director of this very popular film festival in Austin, Texas. So we are going to talk about minor league baseball and the film The Aviator, of course, which you went back and re-watched in preparation for, for this interview. So I'm psyched about that.
4: Yeah, I did, and it, it was fun to. Um, one of the things that I've main done a good job, I think, maintaining my career of is I'm still capable of passively watching a movie. I don't sit down and pick it apart every time. I can still be a fan, and so it was kind of fun to go back and now watch it differently. Yeah, uh, with that sort of eye looking at pacing and shots and and this and that. So, yeah, I it was kind of it was fun to revisit from that vein. Well, so let's, let's get into that. This is obviously a minor league baseball
2: team as we've already addressed in this issue. That was the Las Vegas 51s totally fun brand. In my opinion, I really liked that brand. I was sorry to see it go, but they rebranded in the image of Howard Hughes, the aviator. That obviously is the subject of the movie, the aviator. Let's just start in general. Is the aviator a good movie?
4: Yeah, I think it is. And one of the things that, um, that I kind of hinted at before you and I came on is I'm not necessarily your everything Scorsese does is great guy. And I'm certainly not everything that Leo does is great guy. So what I think is awesome is that those two combined created something, I think, very compelling, very sad, um, really diving into this Howard Hughes character that because of the nature of his life, nobody really knew a whole lot about. And I will tell you that my first introduction to him was in the movie the rocketeer and so that tells you how deep they dove into that movie not at all so yeah i think so i think pacing wise i think it's it's top to bottom filled with with really amazing performances and it's something that leo look i know mathematically he's a good actor and it shows off in this in this particular film
2: yeah yeah so i mean it's interesting right because it tells the story of of howard hughes who died in 1976 right like so here is a minor league baseball team that's named for, I mean, obviously as we've discussed already, the Howard Hughes corporation purchased the aviators built this great new ballpark. I, you know, I think we should be calling them the Las Vegas aviators of Summerlin because they are not in Las Vegas proper. They're, (laughs) they're about a 25 minute drive outside of Las Vegas. Um, obviously Cashman park was, uh, you know, that was also outside of Las Vegas. It was closer to downtown than it was the strip, but you know, here's this character, Howard Hughes Corporation still exists, but the Howard Hughes himself died in 1976, right? Like, so here's Leonardo DiCaprio playing this, this really eccentric character in this pretty good movie, right? Like, it's really enjoyable yeah. movie. I've seen it, I haven't seen it for a while. You've seen it more recently than I have. Let's get into Howard Hughes himself, the aviator why you know why is it appropriate why are we naming a baseball team after this uh, this character featured in this movie
4: well you know he was obsessed with aviation and what was kind of fascinating and one of the things they really dive heavily into in um the movie is Howard Hughes was a film director really is kind of how he made his name or one of the ways in which he made his name he had made he had a he had had a company that made a lot of money and he used that money to dive into film at the very beginning and they're covering him shooting his world war 1 film Which was about planes and the guy was so obsessed with shooting a aerial footage that would not be equaled until honestly until Top Gun like in like 40 60 years later, Hmm. by shooting by getting 30 something cameras strapping them to planes and letting them roll and it took him so long to shoot it and edit it that during that time movies went from silent to sound and he had to then reshoot a bunch of that stuff, but he was obsessed. And I think that obsession carries through. And for perspective, probably on your big-budget movies, six cameras is maybe max, which mm-hmm. you'll see. Mm-hmm. On an indie film like mine, we would sometimes roll two or three. Yeah. So to have 37 or 38 or whatever it was, all that rolling the complete scenes, it's I at miles and miles of footage. And so then it carries through to him pushing aviation invention in real life, trying to build things for – the military. um he had designed it's funny because the c one thirty Hercules exists, but he had designed another movie with the, another plane with the nickname Hercules before that never got off the ground or not very much. Um, it was sarcastically known as the Spruce Goose. I think it only flew once. um uh, but this guy, this guy survived plane crashes. This guy survived. <laughs> um, he was as bad a pilot as Harrison Ford, I think. And so it was. Uh, it, it it's it's honestly um very appropriate that the Las Vegas team is called the aviators because outside of the Wright brothers, I'm not sure many people have done more for aviation than Howard Hughes, and he spent a certain amount of time in Las Vegas,
2: right? like the the end of his his life was spent in in Las Vegas. The end of his life, you know, affected by the syphilis diagnosis, right? Like, and he went, he got really, really super eccentric. When I watched the movie, I was surprised by that. Like I, I, I'm, I'm the first to admit I was not familiar really with the history of Howard Hughes, the character, right? And And so this whole movie, like was sort of an, it felt like fiction to me because I didn't know how it was going to turn out. I mean, I understand it was historical fiction, but I didn't know how it was going to turn out. And the, like the really eccentric years that at the end of his life, were startling to me right like startling to me i'm curious to know what you know about howard Hughes, because obviously as a filmmaker you'd be familiar with howard Hughes, the the individual who was the the film tycoon this film this movie about him how how accurate was it to, to, by your understanding of uh, to to his life
4: from what from my understanding pretty accurate i mean movies are never going to be a hundred percent they are in fact adaptations like it's it's um, You know, there's a lot of pushback. It's funny that we're doing this because the in two weeks, we have the episode of my show uh, in Memphis, and I've got an Elvis impersonator in Graceland on and we're talking nice. about that movie and how it's accurate in spirit. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I didn't know about him beyond the syphilis. So what I knew about him was that he was this really, really obsessed guy who became essentially an agoraphobic and a recluse. Yeah. I didn't realize not just the syphilis, but the movie really portrays that this guy was extreme obsessive compulsive. Yeah. And there's a really powerful scene in the in the movie where it's really at the bottom of the film and it's really taking over his life. And and a guy, that's handicapped comes into the bathroom and wants him to hand wants Leo to hand him a paper towel, and he won't do it because he's yeah. afraid of touching this guy that just went to the bathroom. Yeah. Like. So that combined with the syphilis and combined with everything else led him to become this recluse that really we don't know a whole lot about until he died in 76. And so, yeah. again, I think one of the things that was really forward-thinking about that movie was portraying obsessive-compulsive as what it is, a mental disorder and not something that should be a joke. And I think sure. that was really important for the movie.
2: Yeah, it was really like the the obsessive-compulsive aspect of it really led to, I think, his success in yeah. so many different industries, right? So this is always, and again, I'm not, not making light of that, but to say, you know, this is something we try to do on this. When we look at mascots for a team, we look at, you know, what a team is named for, what makes that an appropriate name for a minor league baseball team. What is it about Howard Hughes, the individual that you think might translate into, okay, here's a, 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 you know, this would, this is what would make him effective as a baseball player. Maybe.
4: So I'm gonna I'm gonna go romantic on you if okay. that's okay. That's good. You knew this question was coming. I like that. I, I kind of I well I, you know I mean I figured you know I know your show really well so I figured this is where the walk we were gonna take and I think Howard Hughes was a renegade, right? He was a guy that did what he wanted to do. He played by his own rules. He um, did his best to stand out. And I think that in your best minor league brands and your best minor league teams, they're doing kind of the same thing. They're trying to create something new they're trying to be bold in their design and bold in their action and i think you see that in both what the aviators are doing i've been doing my prep work i'm going to get to go my first two games this year um i will wear the 51s hat for one of them of course of course for you for one out but I, i definitely think that that's part of it and i think you know you and i go up against this all the time there are people who don't really know about this this community or this this industry that is minor league baseball and they look at names and they might have thought aviators okay something generic mm-hmm, vegas mm-hmm. had an aviation history because that's how it started with air force bases mm-hmm. in the 50s
3: mm-hmm.
4: or trash pandas ha <laughs> what a stupid joke instead of right. looking at what's deeper and right. i do think you see a lot of what of the best aspects of a minor league baseball t- team, I think, are reflected in Howard Hughes' approach to things, obviously, mm. without the, se- the extreme and sad end. But yeah. I do think it's 100% appropriate.
2: I, I think I started to get at this earlier, and I didn't quite know how to phrase it. It was the, the way his life spun out, and he became a recluse, and he was dealing with the illness, and he was dealing with his mental issues, that it it was it was almost sort of when I realized that that was the story, it was almost sort of strange to me that they would name a baseball team after him, right? Because it's it's
4: not fun, right? Like there's nothing fun about what happened to Howard Hughes. But maybe my hope is that by doing that, it focuses on the positive parts of his life, and he doesn't just become this crazy guy who went crazy and died in isolation, right? Mm-hmm. Like maybe mm-hmm. it's going to allow – it allows Las Vegas to now tell the the, the good part of the story because, again – he did a lot to advance flight and and cinema and things that he's done that we're still feeling the effects of today. And so maybe it allows you to tell that story by having it be the name of the team. In your opinion, as a film professional, how much are we still
2: feeling the effects of Howard Hughes in, in, in movies today?
4: Um, every day. And, and I'll explain why. Obviously film technology changes by the minute, right? Mm-hmm. Um, You have in your pocket, you, Paul Caputo in Colorado, have in your pocket a higher tech cinema device and sound recorder than they had in 1940. Mm -hmm. But what hasn't changed, and this is how I focus my own teaching, I don't teach the tech because the tech changes, but how we tell stories and how we put stories together hasn't changed very much. Mm -hmm. And one of the things you got from Hughes's film, particularly the war movie, was – the concept of editing 32 cameras worth of stuff and creating what in, in a nonlinear fashion, what wouldn't make any sense to watch individually and put it into something that actually makes sense and you can track it with your eye.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: That's one of the things he's one of the pioneers in that. And it's definitely something we still feel every day. Yeah. No, it's uh, about uh, editing. I... Like, sorry to get on this like thing, but editing should not make sense, but it does. <laughs> we can cut back and forth to people and it belies logic that we understand that we know the geography of what's happening and we it makes sense to us it shouldn't work but it does and part of that is for stuff that that he pioneered along with others
2: so one of the other questions that i had for you was uh, and i think i sort of i answered it myself to the point where i'm just going to i'm going to answer the question for you and then we can talk about you know okay. talk about the answer i was going to say if howard Hughes were around today what would he have wanted to name a minor league baseball team after? And I, so I feel like I have an answer to that question, but I'll, I'll ask you, what do you think? What do you think if Howard Hughes, instead of the corporation, and if the person owned this team, what's he naming in his team?
4: Um. So my first thing, like if I were Howard Hughes, I would have just turned into the spruce goose thing, but I don't think he would have, because uh. he didn't like the name. Yeah. So I probably think maybe the galaxy. After the one thing that he worked so hard on to bring mm. that that plane together, and um, again to his obsessive compulsiveness, but you know he was involved in every piece of the design, including what the the gauges looked like. Yeah. Instead of just assuming gauges are gauges, so I think that's might that might be what uh, what he would have gone for. Okay. All right. What I do like you it. have? Well, I
2: was thinking that he would uh, that he would end up with some sort of airplane themed brand and i would it got me thinking about what are the what are the airplane based minor league baseball team logos that are out there already and uh the first one i came up with was the uh the ironbirds okay so i like that the sort of cartoon you know fighter jet the aberdeen Ironbirds i just i don't know that's that to me felt like something that uh that that Howard Hughes would have come up with as a minor league baseball what what am i missing what are some other uh, what are some other airplane based
4: um well i know in one of the co- collegiate summer leagues you have the sabers uh mm-hmm. or the silver mm-hmm. sabers which is named after a korean era uh fighter jet right there's the um, flying tigers yeah which is and, what uh, that's single that's low a right
2: yeah well there's no low a anymore i guess it's, so it's single just a. a right yeah it's just yeah, a so it's yeah a. Um, um yeah the lakeland flying tigers
4: T. We used to have the Jet Hawks in Lancaster yeah. but they are not there anymore.
2: Yeah. So this is this is good because then people will now now people will chime in on Twitter with all the ones that we missed. So Yeah, exactly. <laughs> As I'm
4: looking around going, can we call Flying Squirrels one of the Astros <laughs> or the spaceships, But that doesn't quite count. Oh, you uh, know what? The Greenville Flyboys, that's close enough. Oh, I the understand.
2: Flyboys, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I know I know you you asked me about this. I I have the honor of being a uh, a regular contributor to Let's get to the show. I have a lot of fun with that. We get to talk about old and mostly new brands that are out there in the minor league baseball Twitterscape. Uh, And you often will ask me my opinion of them. So I'll just ask you, what do you think? How do you like the Aviators logo? You're wearing the cap right now.
4: I'm wearing the cap now. Um, I'll I'll be honest. It's a a brand that um, for the most part works for me top to bottom. Um, the main logo had to grow on me at first, the sort of aviator helmet. Mm-hmm. Um, but you already know that I love the sort of gradient orange to yellow color scheme. I'm <laughs> i very, <certainly> do, <laughs> very familiar to that. Um, yeah, no, I went ahead, you know, I ordered the cap and I'm going, I'm not going for another two months. So uh, I was excited to get it. Um, they have a couple of New Jersey looks as well that I are yeah. new to me. I hadn't seen them yet mm-hmm. that I'm still kind of trying to figure out. So I actually think it's a really strong brand. And I think... You know what I like about it Paul? I like that some of the brands have a more classic design to them. Not everything has to be goofy and silly. And I mm-hmm, think mm-hmm. when we get every, when we we can get a minor league baseball at large where all these brands can work a little differently, mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. you really get what makes the sport unique and there's no one that looks like it. And yet, at the same time, you can pivot in a lot of different ways with with this particular look. I prefer the 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 road cap, but mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that's what what really is kind of the strength of the brand
2: so I have this this association with the logo every time I see it years and years ago so my my baseball palooza buddies also like to go to las vegas when they can we like to go hit vegas yeah. together i'm not a huge gambler i do like to play if i could if i could break even playing blackjack for three hours that would be like the best night of my life right like just getting like <laughs> right. to hang out and break even while gambling would be great for me but one time we were there and uh we went and we did at sunset the the I forget what it was called. It was like the Big Shot or something, but it's on top of the stratosphere. It was like an amusement ride where they strap you in and they shoot you straight up in the air, basically, like with this yeah. like jet propulsion, basically straight up in the air. We did it right around sunset. In Las Vegas, and I swear to God, I felt like I was being launched into the sky. Right, like I just thought, like you'd never
4: catch me on that. But yeah,
2: I am just being launched into the desert, basically, because you can't. I mean, you're on top of this this building that's a couple hundred feet tall already, and you can't see under your feet, and so you're like, you're basically like in the middle of the sky, and you're being launched up into the the sky with a certain amount of force, and. When I see that the colors of the 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 logo and and how they're reflected in you know what they created for this brand, it absolutely brings me back to that moment, like what the sky looked like in the distance as I was on top of that ride on top of the stratosphere for whatever reason <laughs> they nailed it with those colors so uh so that's that's an association that I have with it.
4: Let me just tell you I, as a guy who used to ride in helicopters for a living um I'll take your word for it. You will not catch me. And I don't know why I can't do any kind of stuff like that, but I'll take your word for it, man.
2: I haven't done it for a long time, except for (laughs) with my kids at the ocean city, New Jersey boardwalk in the summertime when they like to ride the rides. So James Christopher, thank you so much for, for joining. Where can people find you in all of your various outlets uh, online? Well,
4: Well, the best thing to do is just go to at let's get to the show. And, um, and basically, there's a link tree there. Get you everywhere. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just want to say again, thank you for being such a big part of Let's Get To. And mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to this season because we're going to do a lot more. Um, I have some ideas of how to incorporate you even more. So we will uh, be. be I'll be circling with you back as soon as this interview's over. Actually,
2: I'm very excited about this possibility, James Christopher. Thanks so much for joining. Thanks for having me. All right, everyone, welcome back. I am so pleased to be joined right now by Major Vic DiTomaso, who is an F-16 pilot with the US Air Force. And if that name sounds familiar to you, Tomaso, yes, Vic is Anna's brother. If you're a, a listener of the Baseball Bucket List podcast, and you should be, Vic is Anna's brother. Anna heard I was doing an episode on the Las Vegas Aviators and said you got to talk to my brother about this and absolutely I did want to and so Vic thank you so much for joining me I'm so glad that you're here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here,
0: Paul. I appreciate it.
2: I first I just have to say I'm a huge fan of your sisters. I'm a huge fan of of the Baseball Bucket List podcast. So glad to be a part of Curve Brim Media with Anna and uh so glad that she put us in touch for this segment.
0: Yeah, yeah, I'm happy to be here too.
2: So you are, as I mentioned, as I as I said in the introduction here, you are a pilot of F-16s in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, before we get into baseball, I'm just going to say, like, what's that? What's that like? What that must be? That must be just a, a serious rush to 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 take off in an F-16.
0: Yeah, I mean, it definitely is. I feel like, uh, you know, like most things in life, when they're new, there's a lot of excitement associated with it. Yeah. Um, but I've been flying the F-16 now for a little over 10 years, and uh, it's still awesome every time. <laughs> <It's> still, <laughs> it is still such a rush, um, just taking off uh, with such a high-performance aircraft, even 10 years later. What is your speed at takeoff? Uh, so we typically will take off around 150 to 160 knots. It It's really dependent on... Uh, what the configuration of the aircraft is so the f-16 will fly with a lot of external stores typically so whether those are fuel tanks or air to ground weapons um, there's a lot of variation in that so my current job i typically fly what we call a slick f-16 which means there's nothing on it it's completely clean baseline um so that We'll take off a little bit slower because uh, the plane's not as heavy. Um, but in in my previous experience, you know, we carry two external fuel tanks, four to six bombs, three missiles. You know, so uh, under that configuration, you're taking off a little bit faster because the jet's heavier.
2: All right. Can you describe the the feeling? of actually taking off like what what what's going through your your head and your body as you're as you're lifting off in an f-16
0: yeah so for the um the current job i do i've i'm acting as what's called a functional check pilot so i fly aircraft that have had extremely heavy maintenance done on them okay so uh in the configuration we fly in which is you know no external stores at all generally you wouldn't do a full afterburner takeoff in that configuration because it's not required. Mm -hmm. You have enough thrust without the afterburner to take off in a reasonable distance. Um, But part of our uh, functional check profile requires a full afterburner takeoff. So we do full AB takeoffs in the lightest possible configuration for the airplane. So as you line up on the runway, you'll push the throttle up to what we call military power, which is full power without the afterburner. And the jet will start to accelerate fairly quickly. And then when you add in the afterburner, it's really like there's a kick when the afterburner ignites. And it's, um, I'm trying to think of a good thing to compare it to. I don't know if you've ever been on one of the roller coasters that they use like magnets to launch the roller coaster you know mm-hmm. so it's very yeah. similar to that because all of a sudden you have just got a ton of thrust and the thing just gets going quick yeah um and so uh that acceleration is i mean it it pushes you back in the seat for sure and then uh once we hit about 150 knots we'll lift off the runway uh, retract the landing gear and then just continue to accelerate with that same uh feeling of being just forced into the back of the seat until we hit our climber speed. Amazing. Uh, I I don't want to
2: brag here, but I actually did do one of those roller coaster rides on top of the stratosphere in Las Vegas. So, you know, so you and I have both really been through it. I think when it comes to (laughs) the G forces (laughs) here, so um, what would you say are the, the, the mental and physical attributes that are most important for an F 16 pilot to have?
0: Oh man, so um, I'll start with physical because uh, that one's fairly straightforward. So being small is helpful because mm. it is a tiny, tiny cockpit. Okay. So I'm 5'10", uh, and I fit pretty comfortably in the aircraft. Okay. Uh, but I know some taller taller guys, and I mean, it's it's cramped in there. So being a little bit on the short side doesn't hurt. Um, and then you just want to be in decent shape because the, uh, the G-forces you experience when you're maneuvering the aircraft can be really, really intense and really exhausting. So to do that for an extended period of time, you want to be in pretty good shape so that you can handle the endurance required for, uh, for doing that. And then mental is like realistically probably 90% of it. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's like, it's like most things um, that you do in life as a professional, you, you train for it. You learn over an extended period of time to better yourself, at your craft. Um, so a lot of it is really knowledge-based. Mm-hmm. And I say that because a big piece of being a fighter pilot in general is your ability to, in a very dynamic environment, to process incomplete information mm-hmm. and then make decisions based off of that. Um, so it's, I mean, it's a hugely mentally intensive Task uh, to to pilot a, a a fighter aircraft, especially in like a combat environment, um, where you you don't necessarily know all the information you wish you had mm-hmm. to make the best decision possible.
2: Okay, so I was asking about the the physical attributes and the mental attributes of a of an F sixteen pilot because I'm trying to think about what position if you're if you're putting together a baseball team of, you know, maybe military personnel, maybe folks in the air force in specific, what position are the uh, are, are the are the pilots going to play on the on the baseball field? And I was trying to think, you know, I mean you're talking about the smaller size and the the just the mental focus and, you know, general fitness, right? Like so yeah. I'm thinking I'm thinking shortstop, right? Like kind of the captain of the infield. You know, I, you have to have this game awareness at all times. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, middle infield size isn't a huge deal in, uh, in, in the middle infield. I don't know. What do you think? Do you have a, a, a thought on that?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there's, uh, I think there's probably some nuance to it. So I, yeah, I agree with your assessment. I do think, um, an element that's potentially applicable is whenever we fly tactically. So. Mission, and, you know, whether we're training for a mission or we're executing an actual mission, we operate generally as a four ship of aircraft. Mm-hmm. That four ship is led by the flight lead. So the flight lead is the, is the, the pilot who generates the game plan for how mm-hmm. we're going to execute the mission. And then also kind of directs the rest of the formation to execute that game plan. So I think your shortstop is probably your flight lead in that instance.
2: Okay. Okay. And then,
0: um, so that's going to be position one. So we'll, you know, the flight will be numbered one through four. Yeah. Number three will be a flight lead qualified pilot. Who's ex- who's essentially executing as um, the flight leads, right-hand man. Okay. And then two and four are going to be your wingmen, who are fairly inexperienced typically. And their job is to just do the basics, do what they're told, so they're really your first baseman.
2: Okay, right? Yeah, absolutely. Just catch just catch the ball. Let us do that's the work all. and you just be there to receive it.
0: <laughs> that's it. You do this one thing for me. And uh the game depends on it though, right? Yeah. So uh you know the wingmen are crucial because we need them to be able to execute the basic tasks that they've been instructed to do as well as respond to any direction that they get from from the flight leads airborne. Yeah. So I think I think that's probably a good. Uh, analogy for it.
2: Okay, I like it. Wingmen are crucial, true in uh in the air force, and in dating. So it's yeah. uh, important to know and uh, and on the ball field now too. So <laughs> all right, I, I I do have to ask you this before I let you go. Uh, do you have a baseball bucket list, and what's left on your baseball bucket list to check off?
0: Oh man, I mean, I do have a baseball bucket list. I had have to look at it to. Uh, remember what's left on there <laughs> uh, i mean I, i'm definitely not as um uh, aspirational as anna so uh i don't have any illusions of grandeur like visiting all 30 active major league parks
2: right. Um,
0: right you know i would love to go to a world series game yeah i did get to go to the uh 2008 alcs with my dad and my sister oh that's uh, great did
2: they win yeah. what game did you go to
0: I went to game two okay. um, and the Rays won on a short sack fly to right field that BJ Upton scored on from third.
2: Nice. Um,
0: nice. So I do remember that. And then um, my I remember my dad went to a World Series game uh, when the Rays were that same year with the Phillies. Uh, and then him and Anna went uh, in 2020 uh, in the Rays Dodgers world series. So I have yet to be two world series games. So I'd say that's probably going to be at the top of my list.
2: That's pretty good. Your sister is going to cost me a lot of money because every time I listen to her podcast and I listen to people's baseball bucket lists, it's all stuff I want to do. And so now I've got trips to Japan and Australia and all 30 ballparks and, you know, minor league game in every state. And so, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to end up going broke trying to, you know, fill out my bucket list after listening to your sister's podcast there. So
0: yeah it's easy to do are you gonna um are you gonna do this uh midnight uh game in alaska
2: not this year it uh unfortunately it conflicts with some other some other stuff i have going on so i'm not able to do it this year but uh that is definitely high on my list is to get to the midnight sun game so
0: yeah that sounds pretty like a pretty cool opportunity that's something that it does, that
2: I- it does. Yeah. and then it's right there by like denali national park and so you can go you know you can make a whole a whole thing out of it so um,
0: oh yeah for sure you can also well, see uh, Isleyson Air Force Base up there in Fairbanks.
2: Well, I, may can you come with me and we'll go for an F-16 ride? <laughs>
0: well, I'll ask if they have any two-seaters available.
2: You you can tell them I did that uh, that uh, roller coaster on the Stratosphere, and so they'll know that I'm up for it.
0: Yeah, sounds good.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Vic, thank you so much. This has been uh, a ton of fun to talk to you. I'm so glad, like I said, that Anna introduced us. Are you on social media? Can people find you on uh, on on Twitter or Instagram or anything? I am not.
0: (laughs) I don't have an online presence.
2: That's really smart. You must be pretty happy. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Vic, thank you so much. This has been a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for for all that you do for all of us.
0: Yeah, happy to do it. It was nice meeting you, Paul.
2: Nice to meet you. All right, everyone. Welcome back. So thrilled to be joined by my friend, Dan Simon, replete in his eerie... Howling dead cap today that the the howling dead uh, dad hat that Dan Simon's wearing right now is very cool. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about the Las Vegas aviators on this week's Studio Simon Stumpers. There's maybe a Howard Hughes question. Maybe it's going to be a gambling question. Something about the 51s, maybe about Cosmo, the, uh, the mascot looking like Jar Jar Binks. Let's see what it's going to be here. Dan Simon, Studio Stumpers, thanks for being here.
1: Uh, thanks again for having me. Looking forward to today's Stumper conversation. So let's jump right into it. Here we go. In addition to the baseball team currently playing in Las Vegas, there have been several other professional minor league baseball teams named the Aviators. So our studio Simon Stumper today asks, which of these cities was not home to a team named the Aviators?
2: All right. This is another two truths and a lie here. I've got to pick the one that is not the real one. Yes. All right. Was
1: it A, Dayton, Ohio, B, Corpus Christi, Texas, or C, Charlotte, North Carolina?
2: Wow. So Dayton and Charlotte make a lot of sense for having teams called the Aviators because of their connection to the Wright Brothers. Wright Brothers, uh, the the national monument dedicated to the Wright Brothers is in North Carolina out on the Outer Banks. Dayton. Dayton has uh all of the teams that play in Dayton have something to do with aviation, including the dragons. The reason the Dayton Dragons are called the Dayton Dragons is because they were looking for something that flew that was not like an airplane, that was not mechanical. So that's how come they're the dragons. So I'm immediately making connections between teams in Charlotte and Dayton, or at least North Carolina and Dayton. That's my one hesitation about Charlotte is that it wasn't precisely where the Wright brothers were. The Wright brothers were out on the coast. I have been to Corpus Christi. I was in Corpus Christi for a week in November 2016. They've got a lot of maritime heritage there, certainly related to the military. I, I, I'm not conjuring any connection between Corpus Christi and aviation. So I'm going to say that the correct answer in that the location that did not have a team called the Aviators is Corpus Christi.
1: Paul, oh, you've been stumped.
2: Nah I got stumped.
1: <laughs> the streak is over. There, there was an independent team in Corpus Christi. Now technically the stadium was in Robstown, Texas, which is about five or six miles outside of Corpus Christi, but they they were known as the Coastal Bend Aviators. Hmm. Um they had they had a an identity that featured a anthropomorphized seaplane, So you mentioned, you know, the, the water there. Mm-hmm. Um, they are, so that was, and by the way, I did that identity a long, long time ago. They played in the Independent Central Baseball League and the Independent American Association from 2003 to 2007. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, from 19... 19- in 1928 and 1929, the Dayton Aviators played in the Class D Central League. Okay. Um, and in addition to the Dayton Dragons having, as you described, an avi- aviation-themed identity, um, also the University of Dayton's athletic teams are known as the Flyers. So yes, there's definitely a flight history there. You, you did a... As a matter of fact, thinking there would have been a team in Charlotte makes a lot of sense. You actually did a story in for sportslogos.net in 2014 about the Charlotte Bobcats Mm -hmm. and their identity. Does it ring the bell? Do you remember doing that? Oh, absolutely.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, I usually can't remember things that I thought 20 minutes ago, but I actually remember writing this article about the Bobcats.
1: Do you remember there was another name that the Charlotte ownership had considered for that team that for which logos were actually done, and they're featured in your article. Do you remember what the name of that team was?
2: I'm guessing it was the Aviators.
1: Well, it was actually, it was close, the the Charlotte Flight. The Charlotte so, Flight, okay. Right, so yeah, Charlotte and uh, uh, aviation certainly makes sense. And as a matter of fact, there is currently a team in Charlotte named the Charlotte Aviators, but it is not a baseball team. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> Check out what kind of team this is. It is, this team is a member of Major League Quadball, which used to be called Major League Quidditch. <laughs> and that, for those who are fans of the Harry Potter series, is a fictional sport from that series. I would imagine they had to change the name because of intellectual property. Uh, reasons, so it's now called Major League Quadball. And what, by the way, this is an amateur league. So even though it's called Major League Quadball, <laughs> it, it's amateur. Um, w- what this sport is apparently is a mix of rugby, dodgeball, and tag, where the participants play. Re- get get ready for this with brooms between their legs at yeah. all times. Yeah. So
2: I've seen versions of this out there, especially during the height of the the Harry Potter craze. Which, uh, which my children engaged in fully uh, when they were little. So, absolutely, yeah, that I'm, I'm familiar with, with people playing Quidditch with brooms between their legs. So okay. that is a uh, so well, you know, I'm glad that that the uh, Charlotte Aviators wasn't so far outside the question. I've been to the Wright Brothers Memorial there uh, on the Outer Banks. It's a really cool place right there in the midst of a bunch of sand dunes. I'm glad for the Bobcats that they didn't go with Charlotte flight because every time they got eliminated from the playoffs, the headline would be that the Charlotte flight was delayed. (laughs) (laughs) Dan Simon, thank you so much for bringing Studio Simon Stumpers to Baseball by Design. It's such a blast every week. We will see you next week with another Stumper.
1: Looking forward to it. Bye, Paul.